Social justice means applying the law equally to all people. But in practice, that doesn't always happen. I'm John Gonzalez. I'm here at my law partner, Jack Dorora. We practice law. We seek social justice. On this show, we reveal the conflict between the two. You know, for a while, it was just us in the office over a cup of coffee talking about the news of the day with social justice issues dominating our culture. Our focus became, how do we as lawyers make a difference? And now it's not just us. But today it is just us, right, Jack? Uh, We invited State Senator Jerry Serino to the show to discuss the Higher Education Enhancement Act. You know, it was interesting. I talked to him. He was receptive. He said, yeah, I'll show up. And then, uh, what do kids say these days? He ghosted me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have a couple of uh, things that he said about the Higher Education Enhancement Act, and this has been um, a high point of uh, discussion in the dispatch um, uh, on uh, radio, and uh, certainly I I know that on um, campus, students and teachers are talking about it. But Mr. Serino says, Ohio's economic future requires we graduate students who have been taught how to think, not what to think. He says that sponsor of House Bill, excuse me, of Senate Bill 83 uh, will create a smarter next generation of graduates who will be trained on how to analyze problems, which Thinking about all the people that have graduated up until now, I wonder how far back um, we've been graduating dummies, in Mr. Serino's opinion. Not a bad question to ask. Well, apparently, uh, we haven't been trained to analyze problems. Um, I also will note that Senator Serino holds a Bachelor of Science in Business and an MBA from Lake Erie College in Lake County, which I understand is a very, very good college, but maybe he missed the course on um, how to analyze problems. Or maybe he missed the course, I hate to say this, on how to read the very bill that he's proposing. Yeah, and so you and I have been through it, and, um, you know, I spend a lot of my law practice um, analyzing contractual language and analyzing statutory language and making arguments. In fact, I was in the Court of Appeals last week, and... um, seemed to be everybody in the courtroom was trying to figure out what a provision in this contract meant. And finally, I made the point that we're all reasonable people here. If we can't figure it out, this must not be a very well-written provision. <laughs> uh, and, I, and as I look at um, uh, Senator Serino's bill, uh, Jack, it is terribly written, uh, at least from a standpoint of any lawyer could tear this apart and find the vague phrases actionable in any sort of way, I think. Well, what struck me is the uh, introductory language is laudable. He wants to promote uh, education that is free and open and spurs rigorous intellectual inquiry. Uh, He wants to ensure that no aspect of life at the uh, college requires, disfavors, or prohibits free speech. So the idea, the prefacing language is beautiful, but what he wants to do is just so terribly inconsistent with the goal. It's like they're like two different things. I know you've got your favorite provisions. Um, let's go to mine first, if we can. Sure. Uh, I got a funny story to tell you, but but look at this um, requirement that um, that uh, 
colleges have to offer and teach a course on American government or American history, which again, in and of itself, doesn't sound like a bad idea, but I, I just, I don't like the idea of our senators and Congress people um, micromanaging higher education, but okay, they're going to require American government, American history. But then they tell us what actually has to be taught. And the first one is the entire Constitution of the United States. The first thing that occurred to me, Jack, is I wonder why he isn't teaching the Ohio Constitution since these are Ohio schools. Not a bad question. But I have news for uh, Senator Serino. You can read the Constitution. You can memorize it word for word. And guess what? You're not going to know what it says until you start reading the Supreme Court cases about the Constitution. And I would suggest that if we're going to mandate students to learn the Constitution, then they ought to learn to read Plessy versus Ferguson, Miranda, the, um, I mean, the, the Dobbs decision, Roe versus Wade. Um, and the problem with any of that is all of those are controversial issues that apparently under this bill shouldn't be taught. There are so many things that the Supreme Court has decided that are not explicitly uh, stated in the Constitution. These are, for lack of a better phrase, inferences that the court has drawn from certain provisions. And whether you like it or not, a lot of law professors and a lot of legal scholars will tell you that the Supreme Court has a political bent to it or an ideological bent to it or a religious bent to it. And again, when you look at this bill... How do you teach that and stay in conformity with what Senator Serino uh, is going to prohibit uh, as far as teaching on our college campuses? I also note that uh, he would like us to uh, make sure that every student has read the entire Emancipation Proclamation, the Gettysburg Address, which fortunately isn't very long, and um, the uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's uh, uh, letters. Interesting to me that, again, as I read the language in this bill, all of those are controversial subjects. Do you have that uh, definition of, um, of uh, controversial? Let me see where that is. Let me read this to you. <clears throat> controversial belief or policy means any belief or policy that is the subject of political controversy including climate change, electoral politics, foreign policy, diversity, equity, immigration, marriage, or abortion. I hate to say it, but you can't study the Constitution. You can't study slavery, American history. You can't study the Commerce Clause without getting into those areas. So um, what a... Uh, I hate to say this word because I respect our, our elected officials. I know they have a hard job, but what an asinine... Bill. Well, first of all, you have more respect for them than I do. But what struck me about the list of courses was that none of it mentions the dark side of American history. As you mentioned, there's nothing in there about no courses on slavery, no courses on the Dred Scott decision, nothing to say about lynchings, nothing to say about the appropriation of Native American land, the stuff that we don't want to talk about. It was all the sort of whitewashed history that people like you and I grew up with, right? There was a similar uh, law passed for high school students. They had to read the three big documents uh, on, uh, on America, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and 
I remember going to a political fundraiser shortly thereafter, and it was a lot of our state senators and representatives, and Ann finally told me I had to go sit in a corner because I was going around taking an uh, impromptu poll asking them, uh, what's the Seventh Amendment to the United States Constitution, right? And, and for those of you that don't know, that's just one that says you get a jury trial in a civil case, which most people understand you get a jury trial in a criminal case, but it's actually written into our Constitution that us civil lawyers can ask for a jury trial. And nobody knew that answer. Of course not. Then I was doing true or false, a little bit more difficult, but I asked... Uh, is the uh, is a privilege and immunities clause in the Tenth Amendment? Now, the reason I ask that is I actually did my college thesis on the Tenth Amendment. Wait, wait, let me get this straight. You got a drink in your hand and you're going around quizzing these legislators. Well, the the topic of the day was we got to teach high school students a lot more than we know. I, I love the idea. Wait a minute, was Anne hiding under a table as you're doing all this? How's this working? I think somebody told her to get me out of there because uh, <laughs> I was uh, being mean to these these um, these um, <laughs> politicians. But I was having a good time with it. I I think that you know maybe we should have a rule that before they pass a bill, they have to actually do what they say in there. Like maybe these elected officials should have to pass an American history course on all of these different topics that they're now going to mandate for college kids. I'd make it simpler. Just pass legislation where you've done some research ahead of time. Because according to Serino, as you suggested, the inference is we've been producing a bunch of dummies up to today. So what is the problem that he's attacking? I, I don't know what it is. I don't either. And when you think in general terms, I'm pretty impressed by the generation that came, you know, after, sure. after me. I mean, you think about the uh, the uh, advancements in technology and medicine and, you know, then other working on AI. I mean, that's pretty heavy stuff. I wasn't that smart uh, to go into that. I mean, um, I, and by the way, I was an education major. You know what I, uh, what causes me concern is what I've seen in other pieces of legislation, and that is where terms are bantered about as bad things, but the terms aren't discussed, and there's no explanation for why the term is bad. For instance, let's go back to the the comparable, I wouldn't say comparable, but the law that was passed in Florida that has a lot of similarities and which causes me to think that these are all coming, these pieces of legislation are coming from the same place. But DeSantis in that Individual Freedom Act, which is now in federal court, he criticized CRT, critical race theory. Now, you and I both know that critical race theory is nothing more than an explanation for systemic racism. DeSantis never discusses why it's a bad thing. He just makes it sound like it's a bad thing. So if you're not an inquisitive person, you will just accept the fact that it's bad. Similarly, Serino says, well, you can't do anything that smacks of diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. Now, why is that such a bad thing? So I thought, well, let me look you know, what do the pros say about this? So I went online and I found McKinsey Consulting. That's a pretty good size, maybe world across the world consulting company. And, you know, diversity is blending different races, ethnicity, ability, gender, et cetera, et cetera, in the hope that you get diverse thought. 
So then what's equity? Well, it's just treating people equally, or not, I shouldn't say equally, but giving everybody the same shot, so to speak. And then inclusion is, well, if you're going to open the doors to a broad array of people, you've got to make those people feel welcomed. So, Mr. Serino, what's so bad about DEI? All you're doing is making it something scary without talking about it. It would be helpful to know the motivation behind this bill. Um, sometimes in my cynical state, I would think that it's really an addition for higher office. you got to have your conservative bona fides, right? There's too much liberalism on campus, mm -hmm. and I stamped that out by passing this bill. Now I can be a, in the federal government because, you know, I'm such a champion of conservative rights. <clears throat> and it's too bad because I do I, – I agree with you and a lot of the um, authors of the um, – the dispatch um, opinion pieces that it's really a, pro a, a, a solution that, that's trying to find a problem, and I'm not even sure it's a solution. But when we look at um, the bill, I always like to go and see who are the proponents and who are the opponents, so then you can get a, kind of an idea. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you can go on the uh, Senate website and you can see there were seven people, and uh, a couple of them were, were from the same group that testified in favor of the bill. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not going to comment on those individually, but I found some of the comments to be kind of interesting as far as the perspective that these people had. There were 500 opponents. They had the longest legislative session in history for as far as the opponents. And it's not just everyday citizens like you or I might go and and right, be right, opponent. right. But there, you know, almost every teachers' association has come out against this. Professors are coming out, administrators, and you know, I would just think that if I was in Senator Serino's seat, I would say, what do the pros think about this? Just like you were saying, Jack, what what are the people that have the PhDs in education, the chancellors, the what are they saying? And I'm not talking about the one-off person that, that, that may agree with it, but I'm talking, uh, you know, um, the consensus. Uh, and they're all against it, which if you read this, you know exactly why. One, if I was a chancellor, well, let's, let's go one step over. Okay. If I was advising a chancellor as the chancellor's lawyer, I'd say, I have no idea what you can or can't do under this bill. It seems to suggest one thing and then tells you you can't do it and then it mandates that you do it uh how do you advise somebody on that type of lunacy well i think you're pointing to what i talked about at the start what it professes to do is completely inconsistent with what it talks about and and then when you talk about how do you interpret it listen to this sentence you can't teach that members of one race cannot nor should not attempt to treat others without respect to race. So forget about the inconsistency. There's just some horrible writing going on here. There is. And, and again, as I look at this as somebody that spent most of my professional career arguing over contractual language and statutory language, listen to this. The institution affirms that its duty is to equip students with the intellectual skills they need to reach their own informed conclusions on matters of social and political importance. 
Sounds pretty good. I like that. The very next paragraph. The institution affirms that its duty is to ensure that no aspect of life, wow, no aspect of life, at the institution, within or outside this classroom, requires, favors, disfavors, or prohibits speech or action to support any political, social, now remember, the one up above said social, and political or religious. To me, those are directly contradictory. Whatever they mean is, is hard to decipher. But its duty is to equip students with these skills. Then the next says, next sentence says, but you can't do this. You can't favor or prohibit these skills. How do you teach it if you can't favor it? I, I, I you know, it's just, it's, where, where do you go with this? Does this give somebody the... Uh, ability to sue the university if they are doing something different than what the affirmations are in here or what their mission statement is. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the penalties are. Did you see a penalty provision in here? I think it's all. I think uh, the penalties are all state channeled that is funding. I don't think there's any individual liability. I got to tell you, when I was reading it, I wasn't reading it for that purpose, but my sense is. It's a funding issue. I saw one provision that uh, talked about um, the universities can come up with their own sanctions for, for you know, violations. But again, it wasn't real clear. I love the provision you talked about it earlier. It prohibits any mandatory program or training courses regarding diversity, equity, or inclusion. And I think why you just said over here on A and B that we're going to educate students by means of free, open, and rigorous intellectual inquiry, and that they can reach their own informed conclusions on these matters. So why not offer a course to do it? Well, you see, I think this goes back to your, your earlier question. What prompts the birth of this type of bill? Now, it could be that Senator Serino thinks that he will garner some sector of the conservative vote. The more cynical approach is this is part of an organized effort by conservative think tanks that offer legislation like this on a sort of a template basis that they send out to conservative legislators. And we've heard about that, right, with a, remember, I think it was Scott DeMauro with the teachers union talking about the American Legislative Exchange Council which is a conservative think tank. And I couldn't find what I was looking for on their website, but supposedly they're in the business of creating templates for bills that you can request and use in your state legislature, which, if that's true, would explain why the Florida statute and why this statute have so much in common. You know, I spent some time too, Jack, trying to you know, figure out why um, Senator Serino is, is pushing this bill in, in really the face of, of pretty significant opposition. I even looked at his campaign contributions. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, but I couldn't discern anything. Now, he got some money, um, not a lot, from some unions, and I noticed that some of the unions are against this bill. But he raised uh, over $900,000 and... 85% of that came from the Senate 
the Senate has their own fundraising oh, right. caucus, right. whatever we're going to call it, you know, um, and they gave him a lot of money to win, which tells me he's going to probably do whatever the Senate leadership wants him to do. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious um, what the Senate leadership goal is behind this bill. I, I think we're I think this is part of a nationwide move that we see. And it's all cultural oriented or cultural oriented, right? We don't like diversity, equity, inclusion. We don't like CRT. There's not enough religion in the world. Those things, as opposed to the type of things that made the Republican Party what it was many years ago. I, I have to keep harking back to that um, Senator Serino wants the you know students to learn the Constitution, and I just think, uh, does he understand it at all? So so one of the first things in this bill is is that um, they're going to wrap uh, private schools in here, right, mm-hmm. by saying, look, you know, we know you're private, but if you get any money from us and you don't do this affirmation the way we spell it out, we're, we're not going to give you the money. Right. So it's just a bullying tactic, right? Sure. So one of the, the affirmations these private schools have to make is that the that they're one uh, committed to intellectual diversity but apparently you can be committed to it but not allowed to teach about it at right. all but the second one is committed to free speech protection right does he understand that we actually have a free speech protection in the constitution that might have gotten past him well you know i know that he isn't requiring students to um to study the Ohio Constitution, but let me read it to you. It's, uh, by the way, it's Article 1, Section 2. Every citizen, this is every citizen of the state of Ohio, may freely speak, write, and publish his sentiments on all subjects, being responsible for the abuse of the right, and no law shall be passed to restrain or abridge the liberty of speech or of the press. So, you know, um, it seems to me that these schools should already be doing what they have to affirm. So maybe affirmation's not a big deal, right? Right. Well, I found it also interesting that it says here in his bill that if the chancellor receives credible information that an institution made false affirmations, Uh right, that the institution shall return any state funds received. So... One person decides there's credible information, the school has to return the funds. Now, I'm kind of curious what the due process there is. Um, By the way, I see this language in here that I think is written by lawyers, right? Um, Maybe it's all written by lawyers, but here's the, the lawyer language. The affirmations required in this section are solely for the purpose of requests for state funds appropriated for institutional purposes. Why do you think that's in there? That's to defeat any legal challenges. They're going to say, hey, we have the ability to fund, therefore courts stay out of this. We can decide what we're going to oh. fund or we're not fund, right? Right. So, so some lawyer said if we put that intent in here, oh. then we have a more likelihood of having this upheld. But I, I had to laugh because it says, the affirmations required in this section are solely for the purpose of requests, right, for state funding. Yet I just read you a section that said 
if they find they're not credible, you have to give the money back. So it's also for refunds of money too. So, oh. uh, you know, notwithstanding what they actually write, they uh, they just they there's so many inconsistencies here. But to me, the bullying of the private universities is is you know uh, unconscionable too. I don't know if Senator Serino realizes this. But if I'm reading this correctly, you cannot have an all-girl or an all-boy dorm. Because it says, ready for this, each state university shall prohibit all policies designed to explicitly segregate, blah, 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 on the basis of race, sex, gender, blah, 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 including residential housing. (laughs) So apparently... Senator Serino wants co-ed housing. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that, but I'll bet he does. He may, yeah. It, it goes back to your point, you know, <laughs> and had he come on with us, obviously we'd be very respectful to him, but I just would be curious to hear when you read some of this, how he responds to it. I mean, you know, does he have a an intellectual response? Does he have some practical um I think I might have told you this story before. I was in court uh, in, back in uh, chambers with a judge, and I was arguing with this other lawyer about some statutory um, scheme that, 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 we, that affected my client. And I said, Judge, as I read this statute, you know, it's, to me it says this, this, and this, and my client was com- compliant. And the other lawyer says, well, Interestingly enough, Judge, I was a state rep at the time, and that was my statute. Ooh. And that wasn't the intent of it. The intent was this, this, and this, and therefore John's client's liable. And the judge looked at him and said, well, if that was the intent, why didn't you write that into the statute? (laughs) (laughs) And we we actually both got a a chuckle out of that, both lawyers. and, uh, and, And later when we walked out... Um, you know, he says, you know, it's just kind of funny how these bills that we write don't necessarily come out the way that we were thinking when we first introduced them. And I said, well, you know, uh, we ought to get this thing settled because I think you're going to get a bad reading on your bill here if, if, if it goes any further. And so we did. But it, it just, you know, it, it, it tells me that kind of like contracts, a lot of people don't read these things. They rely on what they're hearing about it instead of what they're seeing. And somebody's going to say, hey, you've got uh, co-ed dorms. You can't do that. It's Ohio law. Right. And then what's going to happen? Can you imagine? You can't have any more co-ed or any more uh, uh, segregated uh, dormitories. Wow. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, that speaks to two things. The first is why the bill comes about, one would think there's really no evidence to support it. So why go after or why pursue this topic? You've offered a couple thoughts. The second thing it points to is if we're correct, and you know, we got to be honest, we're guessing, we're speculating, which we're lawyers, we're not supposed to do. But this looks like draft legislation that comes from somewhere. It hits someone who is Um, receptive to it. It seems like a good political idea. It moves forward. And then when the rubber meets the road and people are looking at it closely, it's hard to defend. It really is. And I I just, um, I wish, you know, maybe in a perfect world, our state senators had a little more legal 
knowledge and training um, so that they could see the, the error in their ways when they're looking at this legislation. Uh, I wish that in this particular case, uh, Senator Serena would have some higher education uh, education or at least listen to the PhDs in this area. I mean, uh, you know, I, um, I uh, got my uh, undergraduate degree in education and was actually taught how to teach. Sure you were. And um, we don't respect teachers in this country the way we should. No, I mean, I, And I don't. say that generally. Uh, I know you and I do. But when you're sitting here writing a bill that directly affects, at the, at the college level, no doubt, teaching, you think you'd listen to the experts in that field. Again, that goes back to one of the things that I always talk about, which is proposing bills that aren't based on fact. So now the people that propose this bill, they got to know deep down in their hearts they have a problem. But I would suspect that the human condition is such that they just are incapable of backing down or incapable of saying, gee, I think we need to revise this. And so they offer general arguments as to the good things that this bill does. But when you look at it closely, it doesn't do anything that's good. So part of the problem is just the way human beings act. They get stuck, they don't back down, they don't revise, and they maintain a position that just doesn't make sense. One of the things that happens in our government that, that helps in that respect is the leadership because they're looking at it more politically than anything. And, you know, my hope is is that they're seeing this as a real hot potato that they ought to spend more time on before rushing to law. But what do you think about this idea that uh, employees of any state institution of higher education, they can't strike? They well, can't take positions on controversial issues. You know, the, the no-strike issue is really interesting. I haven't formed a view on that. Uh, I can understand both sides of the question. Well, it's not just striking. I'm trying to find the, um, the language. It talks about, um, obviously, it prohibits striking, but there's also, um, it seems to me, it's hard for the institution to take a position on any any topic or controversy, which just, I mean, I guess they couldn't criticize this bill if there was a similar provision that was done before this. They certainly should be able to uh, strike a position on legislation in our state. I um, think the greater concern is the, I hate to use this trite phrase, but the chilling effect. People will go out of their way to avoid controversy because nobody wants to get in trouble. So the effect is probably much broader than even the sponsors of the bill could have imagined. I was trying to digest the um, the faculty uh, performance evaluations, and I think there's th this bill is there's a real dichotomy here. If I'm saying that right, you are. I understand what I mean. Yeah. They have the vague, broad language of this aspirational stuff that then seems to me to be inconsistent. And then they micromanage. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I do a syllabus every year for my law, my law school class. Right. I don't have this stuff in my syllabus, nor do I want to take the time to do it. <laughs> and this, this is real micromanaging. Oh, yeah. Even to the extent of when it has to be published, for how long it has to be published, to be searchable format. Uh, that's a, taking it a little bit too far. You know, that's interesting. This is akin to 
telling the military precisely how to do its job. <laughs> yeah, and I guess why my, would you want to do that? Yeah, and my argument is, is you know, to Senator Serino and those that support it, you are not the experts here. Why are you digging that deep into the process where you're, you're, you're making you, them, you know, do this so many days before? Uh, my thought would be, look, if you want uh, them to teach American history and have this syllabus and have these affirmations, maybe you should just go all the way and write the course content, right? And then all right. they have to do is get up and read it to the students, and then we're all set. You know exactly what they're being taught. You know exactly what the content is. But they, they, they try to make these broad rules, and then they say, okay, but we're going to check you because we're going to have this syllabus so detailed, yeah, you've really hit a good point. They're doing, it's the Ohio State House doing more than what the Ohio State House is supposed to be doing. Or that they have expertise in doing. Well, exactly. Now, there was one thing that really caught my eye, among many things, but it prohibited, quote, a litmus test in hiring. Now, that's an interesting phrase. You, we see that in the cases we read, right? In order for evidence to be admissible, it has to pass. Sometimes a court will call it the litmus test. Well, how are you going to gauge the hiring process on such an up or down matter when it comes to conservative versus liberal, whether it's inclusive, whether it's not inclusive? So he set, he uses this term, but he doesn't provide any guidance as to how you would put it in effect. And you know why? Because I don't think you can define it no, adequately. Right in a practical way no and and so what's going to happen is is something's going to come up and and people on both sides of the issue are going to use this language to their advantage and who knows who's going to win that issue some judge somewhere is going to decide did you see the uh section here where uh they're dealing with the uh, the um the i guess the collaboration with china oh yeah institutions? That, I, yeah yeah that <coughs> Um, I found it interesting because I, I really wasn't aware that this was an issue, first of all. But again, I could see how uh, the government would say, wait a minute, what are we doing here? China's not necessarily our friend. Right. But, you know, they're necessary to deal with them. And I always think that why not have collaboration in education? You got to know people to be able to deal with people. But I understand there's only maybe three institutions in Ohio that have any programs like this that it that this would bar and by the way ohio state is not one of them uh the articles i was reading is that the institutions have really cracked down on it anyway and that the programs that are left are learning to speak chinese kind of things you know it's interesting even during the height of the cold war we always had exchanges with the ussr on some level <laughs> as opposed to erecting an educational wall um, <laughs> what is the three dog nights? If I was the king of the world, you know, mm. um, what, what would I do? I would, um, I would have, um, students go to other countries at least for a semester as a part of their tuition payments. Um, and this is talking, I'm talking from somebody that hasn't spent much time outside of the United States. Uh, but my children have, and they just get a broader perspective on humanity and life. So if we want to 
educate students about diversity, why don't we put in a mandate instead of American history that they spend a semester in any country that they like? Oh, I like the idea a lot. By, by the way, JJ, my son, did just the reverse of this. He went to China for a year, and you know who paid for it? Dad? No. Oh, okay. The Chinese government. <laughs> What a great experience he had. All I did was pay for the airplane back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so if we're going to dictate uh, what our college students uh, should learn, maybe we should broaden our horizons and, and decide that. Um, uh, of course, that takes money, and it's, I don't see anything in here where there's any money that's given for any of these programs and any of the what I call unfunded mandates of um, – making sure that that these requirements that we don't really understand are met. You know, how would you like, if the bill were passed, how would you like to be in the Department of Ohio State that's responsible for enacting this? Yeah. It would probably be close to impossible, if not impossible. I I would think so. uh, You would hope that if there is some uh, back channel from the powers that be at Ohio State University, because a lot of people think they run the state when it comes to the issues there they're important uh that, that they're putting the kibosh on this bill uh, i wish uh mr serena would come in again jack you know uh having a wife that was in the legislature i believe that uh most of them at least uh, the, the vast majority of the ones that i've got to know are trying to do the right thing trying to understand the issues trying to be representative of of, of not only what's going on today but the future and uh, i just don't get this one at all well that's a sign of sanity on your part (laughs) and you know we have admittedly poked a lot of fun at senator sereno only because he ghosted us but if he were to come in here we treat him with the respect that we give a witness on the witness stand we would have somewhat of a formal but we'd have a polite conversation with him Yep, and um, hopefully he could prove us wrong and that he actually does know what's in his bill and has an explanation that you and I would find somewhat reasonable. I'd love to hear it. I would too. Jack, great conversation. Um, You know, you and I should do this more often where we just get together, you and I, on air. I know we do it a lot in my office, but but it's always good to to talk to you about these issues, and I'm never surprised at how... um, how um, similar we are in our thinking. Oh, yeah. I I enjoyed the conversation as well. I want to thank again WOSU and our new sound engineer, Kevin Petrella, for uh, making this sound good. We'll be back in a few weeks with another important social justice issue. Until then, so long.